is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. I want to thank you for being with us. Going to start out with our weekly commentary. Today we are going to talk about budgets and governing. The leaders of the House and Senate have come up with a new budget deal. But the fight over government spending seems to drag on year after year after year. It's not hard to understand why. Non-defense spending by the federal government, including entitlements like Social Security, has climbed dramatically. It was 10% of GDP in the 1960s. It was 14.8% of the GDP in 2001. It was 15.2% of GDP in 2007. It was 17.8% of GDP in 2019. Again, I'm talking about government entitlements. And now it's projected to be roughly 22% of GDP over the next five years after peaking at 27.7% in 2030. In other words, non-defense government spending now consumes more than twice as much GDP every year as it did 60 years ago. Its share of GDP is up 45% from just before the Great Recession. It's up 24% from the year before COVID. Government continues to take more and more of what the private sector produces, and it's heading for annual deficits of about $2 trillion. The Great Recession and COVID were one-off events, yet somehow government spending never returned to pre-crisis levels following either. And because politicians have not been punished at the ballots for such unconstrained spending or the resulting deficits, they have had little incentive to alter course. This is why budget battles have turned consistently ugly in recent years. Repeated threats to not raise the debt ceilings or shut down the government because a budget can't be agreed on have become commonplace. An ever-changing mix of politicians who want to see spending controlled face heavy pressure from every direction that they must go along to get along, but they still fight, and they fight, they should fight. But total debt has ballooned at the same time that the Fed lifted artificially low interest rates to fight the inflation that poor policies created, causing net interest expense to skyrocket. In 2020, the net interest was $332.6 billion. That's the amount of money that the government was paying on the government debt at that time, $332.6 billion. In the past 12 months, it has totaled $730.4 billion. That's over double in just three years. The Congressional Budget Office expects net interest expense to rise to above $1 trillion per year after 2028. That is lunacy. How many think all the U.S. has to do is raise tax rates? History suggests that eliminating deficits this way is virtually impossible. The last period the budget was balanced was between 1988 and 2001. During those years, tax receipts averaged at an all-time record high of 19.4% of GDP, while total spending averaged just 18%. This was the tail end of a miraculous period in modern U.S. history. Starting with Ronald Reagan and continuing through Bill Clinton, government spending fell as a share of GDP. The less government spends, the more there's left for the private sector growth. Economic growth boomed, and that growth boosted tax receipts. But when spending gets too high, economic growth slows, as did the tax receipts. Last year, the CBO's budget forecast overestimated tax receipts by 11%, and underestimated spending by 9%. The bigger government gets, the more likely that this will happen year after year. Back in the 1980s and 1990s, when the U.S. was cutting spending, real GDP grew at an average of 3.2% a year. In the past two years, in spite of historically large Keynesian deficits, real GDP has averaged just 1.7%. Now, we understand that the makeup of Congress creates difficulties for those who want to cut spending, but calling them names and accusing them of not being able to govern perpetuates the problem. Out-of-control spending and huge deficits, as far as the eye can see, are the real failures of governments. Let's talk a little bit about our global wrap-up. We're finding that market moderates 
rate cut outlook. And the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note rose 16 basis points this week to 4.17% as the market unwound aggressive rate cut bets. The price of a barrel of West Texas intermediate crude oil was steady at 74.35, and volatility is measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, rose to 13.8 from 12.5. Talk a little bit of our macro news here. Rate cut expectations dampened after a run of strong economic data and protestations from multiple central bankers, including an influential U.S. Federal Reserve governor and the president of the European Central Bank, markets dialed back their aggressive rate cut expectations this week. Fed Governor Christopher Waller said on Tuesday that he sees no reason for the Fed to move as quickly or cut as rapidly as it has in the past, and that when cuts begin, they should be made methodically. And European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said that the ECB is likely to wait until the summer before contemplating rate cuts. Along with the strong U.S. employment report, solid December U.S. retail sales data, core sales rose eight-tenths of one percent on the month. It's the lowest initial jobless claims data since September of 22 at 187,000, and that suggests that the economic growth is too resilient to allow the Fed to begin easing policy in March, given the risk of higher inflation. We saw demographics add to China's growth woes. China reported this week that its population declined 2.08 million in 2023 to 1.41 billion. The country reported fewer than half of the births that it did in 2016 when it lifted its one-child policy. Births dropped over 500,000 to just over 9 million. That's the latest data shows that the fertility rate is less than half of the replacement rate of 2.1 children per woman over her lifetime. A shrinking population has historically been a drag on economic demand. In 2023, economic growth met the government's 5.2% target. But data published this week show that new home prices fell 23% year-over-year in December as the property crisis dragged on. This week, the People's Bank of China defied expectations by failing to cut the rate on its medium-term lending facility. And some quick hits. As we mentioned a minute ago, the government passed another short-term government funding bill on Thursday, avoiding a partial government shutdown until at least early March when that bill expires. And the leaders of the tax writing committees of the U.S. Congress unveiled a bipartisan $78 billion bill that will extend multiple tax breaks. The bill, which increases the child tax credit and accelerates the expensing of research and development for businesses, does face an uphill battle in both houses as the closely divided legislature. And we're seeing lower interest rates help improve sentiment, though it remains negative. According to the National Association of Home Builders Survey, its sentiment index rose to 44 in January from 37 in December. We saw December's U.S. existing home sales fell 1%. Talk about that a little bit more here in a few minutes. Germany's economy, which is the largest in Europe, shrank three-tenths of 1% in 2023. And the Fed ran an operating loss of $114.3 billion in 2023. That's its largest ever. Rising interest rates saw the central bank pay $281.1 billion in interest to financial institutions while earning $163.8 billion in interest on the bonds that it owns. Again, the Federal Reserve ran an operating loss of $114.3 billion. And the White House redesignated Yemen's Houthi militia as a global terrorist organization. That's a label the Biden administration dropped upon assuming office in 2021. U.S. forces continue to strike Houthi facilities in Yemen this week after repeated Houthi attacks on the Red Sea shipping. And consumer prices in the United Kingdom expanded at the pace expected in December, rising four-tenths of 1% month over month from a year ago. Prices gained 4% and were up from 3.8% in November. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. Want to wager on your favorite winners? Now you can at the only sportsbook north of Snohomish County. At Silver Reef Casino Resort, you can get in the game with baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and your other favorite sports. Visit the Portage Bay Sportsbook and Bar to place your bets. 
Sportsbook open daily at 9 a.m. Silver Reef Casino Resort, located off I-5 exit 260. We've got that. What does your dream getaway have? Luxury hotel rooms, elegant suites, and relaxing spa? We've got that. World-class Wine Spectator Award-winning Steakhouse? We've got that. Washington's premier golf destination? We've got that. How about the newest slots, table games, and exciting promotions? Oh, yeah, we've got those, too. Visit Silver Reef Casino Resort and hit the getaway jackpot. Silver Reef Casino Resort, located off I-5, exit 260. We've got that. P&W Perks gives you the best deals in Northwest Washington, and it's getting even better. Get an additional 20% off all available deals at pnwperks.com starting this Thursday. Just visit pnwperks.com and enter the promo code PNWPERKS20 and get an extra 20% off your purchase. You can score big with a fun and unique night out at Lockbreaker Escapes, featuring two escape rooms, board games, and take-home escape rooms. Or fill your cup at Giddy Up Espresso, woman and veteran-owned, next to the Bakerview Fred Meyer. Giddy Up will get you in Energized with fresh coffee and espresso, ice-cold energy drinks, and food options like pastries and sandwiches. Take the kids out of the cold and into the fun zone at Summit Adventure Park. Jump around, play arcade games, and so much more fun for the kids is waiting at Summit. Looking to rent or purchase a bike or e-bike? Sunnyland Bikes has you covered, and you won't find a better deal than this one. See deals and get an extra 20% off available offers with the promo code PNWPERKS20 starting Thursday. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wolf Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. We are Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway. That's old Highway 99. We are out next to Wilson's Furniture, north of the Slater Road. Our address here is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. Give us a call. Check out our website also at wealthwakeup.com. Well, we're seeing the global corporate default surge in December. According to a report by credit rating agency Moody's, the global 12-month trailing corporate default rose to 4.8% in December. That's the highest rate since May of 2021, when the global economy was still reeling from the effects of the pandemic. And for U.S. retailers, the holidays were happy ones as sales rose 3.8% from a year before, according to the National Retail Federation. Bloomberg reported this week that under a proposed plan by U.S. banking regulators, banks would be required to assess funds from the Fed's discount window at least once a year. Such a move is going to reduce the stigma of borrowing from the window and ensure that lenders are ready for any financial turbulence. The move comes in the wake of last spring's regional banking crisis, which found some banks operationally unprepared to borrow from the discount window. Retail sales in the United Kingdom tumbled 3.2% in December. That is the worst reading since January of 21, increasing the odds that the country slipped into a mild recession at the end of 2023. And inflation expectations for the year ahead fell to 2.9%. That's the lowest level since 2020, a University of Michigan survey showed. Let's take a look at the December's retail sales report. And it came in this week, and the retail sales beat expectations in December. They rose six-tenths of one percent for the month, while nine of the 13 major categories moved upward. The gains in December were led by sales in non-store retailers, which rose one-and-a-half percent for the month. They were up 9.7 percent in the last year, followed by sales for autos up 1.1 percent, and general merchandise stores up 1.3 percent. The large decline was once again in gas stations, which is not a bad thing as prices at the pump have come down significantly since earlier this fall. Core sales, which exclude volatile categories such as autos, building materials, and gas stations crucial for estimating GDP, increased six-tenths of one percent in December, are revised slightly higher for previous months. These sales are up at a 5.8% annual rate in the fourth quarter versus the third quarter average. 
So plugging this data on retail sales and other reports into our model suggests that real GDP grew at about a 2% annual rate in the fourth quarter. The problem remains that one of the key drivers of the overall spending is inflation. Yes, retail sales are at record highs unadjusted for inflation, but in real inflation-adjusted terms, they have been stagnant. Retail sales peaked back in April of 22 and have since declined by 1.9% from the peak. This has been 40 years since the U.S. had an inflation problem, so it's important to remember that it can distort data. Our view remains that tightening in monetary policy since last year will eventually deliver a recession. You can expect more deterioration in real retail sales into 2024 as tighter credit conditions along with higher borrowing costs take their toll. And in other news, import prices were unchanged in December, while export prices fell by 9 tenths of 1%. In the last year, import prices are down 1.6%, export prices are down 3.2%. That is a sign of tightening monetary policy versus a year ago. We also have the December Housing Starts report out this week. And Housing Starts took a breather in December following a surge in November. And while the data has been choppy, it seems that developers may have finally found their footing as we close out the year in what has been a challenging environment for sales. This likely has to do with the recent move in mortgage rates driven by the widely held belief that the Federal Reserve will cut short-term interest rates multiple times in 2024. And while the 30-year mortgage rates remain right around 7%, they have been on a downward trajectory since peaking around 8%, at the end of October. We expect mortgage rates to continue trending downward in 2024, providing a tailwind for activity. Looking at the details of the report, housing starts declined 4.3% in December, yet still beat consensus expectations. Building permits also beat consensus expectations, rising 1.9% to a solid 1.495 million annual rate. The gain was due to permits for both single-family and multi-unit homes. And while multi-unit permits have been trending down over the last year, permits for single-family homes have increased in each of the last 11 months. Meanwhile, housing completions surged 8.7% in December, up to a 1.574 million annual rate. In 2023, an estimated 1.4252 million housing units were completed, 4.5% above the 2022 figure of 1.391 million but still below what we need to keep up with our regular population growth and scrappage of old homes. In the past year, the number of single-family starts is up 15.8%, while multi-unit starts are down 7.9%. This huge gap in data is due to the unprecedented nature of the last three years since COVID began. While we don't see housing as a major driver of economic growth in the near term, Recent numbers are certainly not what you'd expect to see if there was a severe housing bust like the 2000s on the way either. In employment news, initial claims for jobless benefits fell 16,000 last week to 187,000. Continuing claims fell 26,000 to 1.806 million. These figures are consistent with continued job growth in January. In manufacturing news, the Philadelphia Fed Index which is a major factory sentiment in that region, rose to a minus 10.6 in January from minus 12.8 in December, still signaling sluggishness in the factory sector. And looking at the December existing home sales report that came out this week, we saw that existing home sales ended 2023 on a weak note, falling 1% in December to post the worst annual sales since 1995, according to the National Association of Realtors. While the housing market has been facing a series of headwinds, the good news is most significant is beginning to abate. Recent optimism around inflation and a Federal Reserve that he effectively declared mission accomplished has led to a rapid decline in interest rates across the board. For example, though the 30-year mortgage rates remain around 7%, they have been trending down since peaking above 8% at the end of October. That said, affordability is still a big concern for buyers. 
Assuming a 20% down payment, the rise in mortgage rates since the Federal Reserve began its current tightening cycle in March of 22 amounts to a 26% increase in monthly payments on a new 30-year mortgage for the median existing home. Eventually, the housing market can adapt to these increases, but continued volatility in financing costs will cause some indigestion. In addition, many existing homeowners are reluctant to sell due to a mortgage lock-in phenomenon after buying or refinancing at much lower rates before 2022. That should limit future existing sales and inventories. Case in point, the month's supply of homes, which is how long it would take to sell existing inventory at the current very low sales price, was 3.2 in December, well below the benchmark of 5 that the National Association of Realtors uses to denote a normal market. A tight inventory of existing homes means that while the pace of sales looks worse than 2008, we aren't seeing that translate to a big decline in prices. In fact, home prices appear to be rising again, although modestly, with the median price of an existing home up 4.4% from a year ago. Putting this together, we expect a bottom in sales in the near future and modest recovery in 2024. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We're going to be back here after a quick break. Thank you for being with us. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. A conservative take on issues important to Whatcom County and the Pacific Northwest. If you get caught with drugs, it's a potential felony. That has worked in decades gone by to get people into treatment. What we have now does not get them into treatment. Neither does it save the addict, nor does it save the person who overdoses. Lars Larson, noon to three each weekday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, streaming live at MyBellinghamNow.com. You've earned your retirement and you're ready to fully embrace it. So why not do it with style at Meadow Greens Retirement? You'll enjoy active, independent living with amenities like the library lounge, wellness program, and expansive social calendar. Indulge in three daily meals made from scratch, get pampered at the on-site salon, and join in for Friday night socials. Meadow Greens is active retirement, the only locally owned retirement facility in the county with one and two bedroom apartments with full kitchens offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a meal at the Outward Nine or the Duck Hook Bistro. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Hi, I'm Josh Howe, director here at Meadow Greens. I'd like to personally invite you to come to our community. I look forward to showing you all that we have to offer. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com grass is always greener in meadow greens adventure has its own style it's made of tall trees unpaved trails snow and ice and at the center the most capable subaru outbacks yet stop by dewey griffin and check out all the 2024 subaru outbacks with financing as low as 1.9 percent on all these beauties limited touring wilderness limited xt and touring xt trim models see dewey for all the details dewey has a huge inventory of new subarus from the eight passenger ascent to the Forester, the Impreza, and the all-new Crosstrek. A Subaru from Dewey Griffin will get you and your family where you need to go safely. Plus, when you purchase a Subaru from Dewey, you'll be supporting a local dealership that supports our local community. Need service? Check out Dewey's Express Service Center. It's fast, convenient, and best of all, there's no appointment necessary. Open six days a week. Stop by for your next oil change or any other minor maintenance, and you'll get a free car wash with any service. Dewey Griffin Subaru. Community-minded, community-driven, and the only Subaru Certified Tire and Service Center in Whatcom County. 
Pizza's here. Oh, great. I'd love some, but I'm worried about my stomach issues. If you're worried about having diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or loose oily stools, it may not just be stomach issues. It could be a condition called exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI. With EPI, the pancreas doesn't release enough enzymes to break down food, but EPI is manageable. Use the symptom checker on identifyepi.com and talk to your doctor. That's identifyepi.com. Sponsored fee. Hey, you're up next. Ugh, my throat hurts so bad. There's no way I can sing tonight. Here, try these. Vicks VapoCool Drops. Yeah, Vicks VapoCool Drops has maximum strength menthol with a rush of Vicks Vapors. Ooh, I can already feel it. I told you. So, you ready? I'm ready. Vaporize sore throat pain fast with Vicks VapoCool Drops. What is dedication? My daughter started making necklaces. She makes what we call affirmation fashion. I tell her every day that your black is beautiful. Your black is beautiful. And if there's anything better than being beautiful, it's being smart. If there's anything better than being smart, it's being kind. And reaffirming that every day is our method of making sure her chin never drops. My dad wasn't around, and I remember riding a bike and falling off and cutting myself, and me never would just want to get back on it. People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike, and you didn't. I didn't teach them. I just created an environment where they taught themselves, and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical heating, air conditioning, and electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and mybellinghamnow.com. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning. One more economic report for this week, and that's the December Industrial Production and Capacity Utilization Report. And there wasn't much to get excited about in this report on industrial production. The headline index rose a modest tenth of 1% in December, is now up 1% from a year ago. However, including the downward revisions to data in prior months, overall production fell two-tenths of 1% in December. So looking at the details, the manufacturing sector was a source of relative strength, posting a tenth of 1% gain. That was driven entirely by the volatile auto sector, which activity jumped 1.6%, likely the result of striking workers continuing to get back to work. Meanwhile, non-auto manufacturing, which we think of as a core version of industrial production, declined one-tenth of one percent. The brightest manufacturing news in this report was that the production of high-tech equipment rose nine-tenths of one percent in December, as up 18 percent in the last year, by far the strongest growth of any major category. Further, that growth has been accelerating recently up an even faster 20.8% annualized rate in the last six months. This likely reflects investment in AI as well as the reshoring of semiconductor production, which remains temporarily strong due to the CHIPS Act, despite broader weakness in the industrial sector. The mining sector was also a bright spot in December, with activity rising nine-tenths of 1%. This is the first increase in three months that is driven by broad-based gains in oil and gas extraction, mineral extraction, and drilling of new wells. Finally, the utilities sector, which is volatile and largely dependent on weather, posted a decline of 1% in December. In other news, the NHAB Housing Index, which is a major home-builder sentiment, rose to 44 in January from 37 in December. 
This is the second gain in a row, and it coincides with recent moderation in mortgage rates as markets begin to anticipate rate cuts from the Federal Reserve in 2024. That said, a reading below 50 signals that a greater number of builders view conditions as poor versus good. And these interest rate cuts that we're talking about, they aren't necessarily good news when it comes to profit forecasts, according to history. Equity markets have been rising in tandem with corporate profit estimates, buoyed by a resilient economy. But if history is any guide, looming interest rate cuts may flip the script. And while markets have been eagerly anticipating rates coming down, that may not actually be a good thing for company earnings. Typically, the Federal Reserve cuts rates when the economy is heading for a recession, something that analysts' optimistic projections don't seem to be accounting for. In the U.S., some see the Fed cutting as soon as March, as inflation and producer prices are trending broadly lower. Declining profits and interest rates tend to go hand in hand. Global stocks have been on a tear over the last year, soaring about 16%, supported by rising earnings forecasts. Margins are hovering near record highs, and analysts have continued to lift estimates. But looking ahead, the consensus view is still very bullish, with blended toward 12-month earnings for the Morgan Stanley World Index, expected to surge 10% this year, following by an 8% growth in 25, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. So, so far, the soft landing expectations being unchallenged by a still strong U.S. job market and consumer spending, companies are expected to sustain robust earning growth, particularly in the tech sector. In Europe, firms are also seeing keeping prices this pace this year with 12% growth over the next 12 months. Negative profit revisions ahead of the fourth quarter earnings season have not altered broadly upward trend of earnings estimates. Well, it's kind of an interesting report also we saw this week that we're finding that young investors support for so-called environmentally, social, and governance-related issues as causes has declined in 2023. It means that somebody is taking a gut check. Support for ESG has plummeted among millennial and Gen Z investors, typically the strongest factors of environmental, social, and governance-related issues as a more turbulent financial outlook tempers enthusiasm, according to a survey from Stanford University and the Hoover Institute. Less than half of millennials and Gen Z investors, those age 41 and younger, said that they were very concerned about environmental issues this year. That's down from 70% in 2022. That same group is also much less willing to give up market returns to meet their social ideals, according to the survey of about a 1,000 investors conducted this fall. Higher borrowing costs helped spur a $30 billion slump in U.S. clean energy stocks over the last six months. Those companies have been seen as likely to flourish with passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, which promises billions of dollars for American switch to clean energy. Now, I can tell you, but from what we're monitoring and what we're doing, we thought after the Biden election in 2020, we put some money into some ESG portfolios. We took it all out in May of 22. We have not gone back, but the performance on those things was nothing short of lousy. Interesting, isn't it? Here you think all that money would make a difference. Well, when it's getting put down a rat hole, who knows? Anyway... This last year was somewhat of a gut check. When interest rates go up, inflation shoots up and people certainly grapple with reality. A few years ago, millennial and Gen Z investors were described by consultants as key drivers of the boom in ESG investing because of their concerns about climate change as well as gender and racial inequalities. By contrast, conservative investors have led the criticisms against ESG, calling it a woke capitalism that's more focused on social concerns than generating profits. Maybe that's why those portfolios haven't done very well. It's not clear whether the erosion of support is a blip who will be long-lasting. The shift puts younger investors more in line with older investors, which are those over age 58, who continue to express very little concern about ESG topics, according to the survey. More inherently, more liberal when they were coming out of college, 
And all of a sudden, when the bills come due, and they kind of go, yeah, we're pro this, but we're going to give up everything. To, we are not going to give up everything to push this forward. For example, younger investors claim to be willing to lose between 1% and 5% of their retirement savings to support ESG causes, while older investors don't want to lose anything, according to the survey. So kind of some interesting statistics that we see coming out of some of these things and kind of, kind of uh, makes you sit back and chuckle, you know, chuckle, chuckle. And we're seeing a couple of things I'm going to talk about going on in the legislature that I find interesting. There's a Senate Bill 5770. Basically, it wants to overturn Initiative 747 that was passed by voters back in 2001. What that Initiative 747 did, it limited property tax increases to 1% a year. That was passed by voters in Washington by a margin at the time of 58 to 42%. Prior to the passage of that initiative, Cities and counties were able to raise property taxes by 6% per year, and many cities and counties did so every year. In other words, they could raise their taxes by by 6%. That initiative limited their increase in taxes to 1% a year. Well, after legal action struck the initiative down at the Washington State Supreme Court level, the legislature was called into special session by Governor Christine Gregoire and subsequently reinstated the cap with 85% of both chambers voting affirmative to keep that 1% limit. But now we got lawmakers in Olympia who want to overturn the voter-approved 1% increase and increase the cap to 3%. So Senate Bill 5770, introduced by Senator Jamie A. Peterson last year, would not only cap the one set the cap, 1% cap at 3%, it would also require and redefine the calculation used to define how that 3% cap is reached, making it much easier for local officials to justify their tax increases. The Association of Washington Cities, which is funded in part by taxpayer dollars, is advocating for this increase. Washington property owners already struggling with massive property tax increases driven by high property values and tax increases over the last few years are going to see their taxes go up even further. I know you got your appraised value just like I did here this fall. When they start applying that increase that we've already got, that 1% increase that they're taking advantage of, you're going to see your tax bills go up a lot. And each year that 3% increase is applied will compound the revenue that the state and local municipalities would receive and homeowners would pay. Estimates say that it would increase uh, over $12 billion over the next 10 years. The property tax increase would make housing less affordable. It would be working against many other efforts to help reduce rental and mortgage costs. And the state is bringing in record tax revenues for 2024. It's estimated that it's going to bring in $71 billion per biennium, which is an increase of $27 billion over just the last five years. And the state basically does not need to increase property taxes. The property tax cut instead, evenly applied, would help affordability in the rental and homeowners real estate market. Uh, lawmakers need to get serious about housing affordability instead of hurting homeowners and renters in Washington by arbitrary increasing taxes. If you look at that, and then you also look at things like the measure that was passed here in Bellingham that limits increases, when that landlord gets that price increase or gets that tax increase and they can't pass it off to the renters, you're going to find a reduction in the number of rentals that are available, not an increase. It's going to compound and make the problem much worse. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. Cash in on nostalgia. Barron's historic payback program is back and bigger than ever. Heating, cooling, and more. Save on everything Barron installs. Get $100 towards your new purchase for each year of your equipment's age. That's right. The older the equipment, the more you'll save. So many things get better with age. Unfortunately, your HVAC system isn't one of them. Until now. During Barron's payback program, earn up to $6,000 when you upgrade to a high-efficiency heat pump. Spoiler alert, two lucky customers win free installations, including the customer with the oldest furnace. There's more. The first 10 customer installations snag a $500 Costco shop card. The next four to get a $200 shop card. That's 50 happy folks. Good things come to those who wait, but don't wait too long. Call today. Barron's payback program is happening now through January 31st. Barron, your full-service HVAC electrical and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. No purchase necessary. Visit BarronHeating.com for details. Hi, I'm Henry Winkler. 
My eyes are very important to me. My eyes connect me with things I love. I loved my late father-in-law dearly. He always lit up a room, but his vision dimmed with age. He had age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. And since partnering with Apellus, I've learned there's an advanced form of the disease called geographic atrophy, or GA. His struggle with vision loss made me want to help others know about GA's warning signs. For some, straight lines seem wavy, like when looking at a doorframe. For others, blurry or missing spots can make it hard to read or see loved ones' faces. Many have trouble seeing in low light, making driving at night difficult. GA gets worse over time and cannot be reversed. If you've been diagnosed with AMD and notice vision changes, don't wait. Talk to your eye doctor about GA today. Learn more at gawontwait.com. That's gawontwait.com. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Wolf Wake Up. Dick Downey here with you this Sunday morning. As always, got questions for me? Give me a call. 360-733-1200. Well, we're going to talk about three smart tactics. For those of you that have a million dollars or more in tax-deferred investments. We're going to talk about some tax training strategies and how you can keep more of that million dollars for yourself and more of it away from Uncle Sam. You know, I once had a, a guy reach out to me who said, I'm putting trust in your team with $1 million in my 401k that I've saved over the last 30 years. This was a big moment for him. He had done a great job up to this point. He was certainly ready to retire. He just needed a better plan to ensure that he could enjoy retirement. But I had to tell him that you don't really have a million dollars. He started to raise his voice and said, yes, I do. Look at my statement. You'll see a balance of a million dollars. He was getting defensive, rightly so. After all, he had spent the last three decades working to accumulate that amount. The problem, he was missing something. The guy had a million dollars saved, but not all of that million dollars was his because Uncle Sam expected to cut their cut of the money. My new client needed a tax smart plan to kick Uncle Sam to the curb before he was forced to take his money out of his 401k in the form of required minimum distributions. But why is tax planning so important for those with a million dollars or more in their 401ks or IRAs? Because you likely won't be in a lower tax bracket in the future. You're probably thinking, I'll be in a lower bracket in the retirement because I have no longer the working. And that's what I've been told all my life. But I'm sorry to break that news to you, but if you have significant money saved in your retirement accounts, your taxable income will include Social Security benefits, also withdrawals from your investments. And even if you don't want to take money out of your retirement accounts, the IRS is going to force you to take them out as RMDs once you hit the required age. So what can wreak havoc on your retirement? Let's talk about this. Well, a combination of your Social Security benefits plus withdrawals from those tax-deferred accounts can wreak havoc on your retirement. Your Social Security income will most likely be fully taxable. If you have a million dollars or more in tax-deferred accounts like a 401k or an IRA, you have to take out those required minimum distributions. You'll be pushed into what I call the Social Security tax torpedo. When you could pay at least 30% or more in tax rates by taking extra withdrawals from your tax-deferred accounts because you have to. So is there anything that you can do to avoid the tax torpedo? Fortunately, you don't have to sit and hope for a better retirement, and you certainly don't have to put your trust in Uncle Sam. So here are some tax-smart planning strategies for those with a million dollars or more saved in an employer-sponsored retirement plan or a traditional IRA. Strategy number one, consider a Roth conversion. A Roth conversion is the top strategy that I think you should be looking at right now. Roth conversions can result in lower RMDs, that's required minimum distributions, allow you to pay taxes at your current tax rates, it would be lower than what they would be in the future. So why do we think tax rates will rise in the coming years? Well, to start with, tax rates were set to go up in 2026, according to the expiration of the Tax Cuts and Job Act. 
unless Congress acts before then, taxes will revert to 2017 levels, which are higher than they are today. Also, the country has a spending problem and a massive amount of debt, both reasons why tax rates could increase even more in the coming years. How will the government come up with the revenue to cover our debt crisis? Higher taxes seem to be the obvious answer. Now, we've got a program where we can take and scan your tax return in, and we can sit there and do some what-ifs and show you what the impact is for you putting away money and doing that Roth conversion. It's something we do a lot of. More than happy to. Again, you can call us 360-733-1200. Schedule a time. We'll scan that return. We'll sit down with you, and we'll play games. Strategy number two. Avoid paying higher Medicare premiums. Another strategy that we want to look at with our clients with a million or more in tax divert accounts is to prepare for the increased Medicare premiums. This is known as the Medicare Income Related Monthly Adjustment, or IRMAA. This is an extra amount you pay for Medicare if your income exceeds a certain level. The IRMA look-back period is two years, so you'll want to start thinking about how it could impact your Social Security benefits as soon as you may can be eligible to receive them. We've talked to people who are getting little or no Social Security income because of paying higher surcharges on their Medicare premiums. And depending on your income, those surcharges can run up a whole bunch. I can tell you that personally. So to reduce your taxable income potentially and avoid Medicare surcharges, you may want to get strategic with your accounts and take withdrawals from and in what order that you're taking money out of them. And you don't want to do a great job of saving just to pay more for health care in retirement. So again, IRMA, something to talk about, something to be aware of. And strategy number three, avoid the Social Security tax torpedo. Taxes have not been charged on Social Security benefits before the 1980s. It used to be that if you owed $2,000 a monthly income from Social Security, you're going to receive a check for that full amount. Today, you likely won't see the full $2,000 deposited into your bank account because of taxes unless you plan appropriately. Uncle Sam will want to get his share first, and you're going to get the rest. But it doesn't have to be this way. Social Security benefits do not have to be taxable. Many of our clients pay no taxes on their Social Security income because they have implemented a plan to successfully lower their income in retirement by positioning their investments correctly. So taking advantage of these strategies takes smart planning, and it must start today. My biggest advice is to get help from someone who specializes in working with people who have a million dollars or more saved in retirement accounts. Your plan is more complex. They'll need more diligence than those who haven't saved as much in their 401ks or IRAs as you have. So again, something to be aware of, something to think about. Most people don't even know what we're talking about until we sit down and show them. Well, also, we got a notice this week from FINRA. That's the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. And it says that there are scam artists that are masquerading as financial advisors. They've seen they've seen significant spike in investor complaints about bad actors posting as registered investment advisors who have allegedly cost investors millions of dollars in losses. FINRA says that the complaints it has received describe bad actors who pose as RAs, talented stock investment groups, or on Instagram or other social media channels. When an investor responds, the scam artists then lure investors to encrypted group chats like on, like on apps like WhatsApp, where they can pitch investments. Since November, FINRA has received nearly a dozen investor complaints regarding this threat, alleging millions of dollars in talented losses. If history is a guide, it's likely this is just the tip of the iceberg. The self-regulatory organization set in a new investor alert. The ruses often start out by promoting investments in well-known, actively traded stocks, but quickly move to the conversation with investments in low-priced, low-volume U.S. or Hong Kong-listed stocks, according to FINRA. As with other broker imposter scams, the bad actors might falsely portray themselves as registered professionals. In some recent cases, fraudulently complaining or claiming affiliation with well-known public figures and others in the investment industry, people who are not involved in the scheme, according to FINRA. The scammers also often create fake personas, 
by taking the name and other publicly available details about a registered investment professional with a spotless disciplinary history. They, they then misuse this information to establish legitimacy, unbeknownst to the actual investment professional being impersonated, according to the regulator. The criminals instruct investors to open an account at a specific broker-dealer and guide them to which stocks and how much to purchase and what time and prices, essentially leading the investors to unwittingly manipulate the price of the securities upwards. At some point, the investors become unable to sell and the price of securities inevitably crashes, the regulator reported. Then scammers apply pressure to convince investors to transfer in as much money as possible from investors' other bank and brokerage accounts. When investors report losses, the scammers promise to make the money back if the investors can transfer more funds into their accounts. One victim reported that the scammers were requesting the investors borrow money from friends and family in order to make it back the money that was lost, according to FINRA. To avoid becoming a victim of these and other types of what FINRA calls ramp and dump scams, investors should be particularly wary of any unsolicited message or social media promotions about investment opportunities, FINRA warned. Investors should also always research investment professionals using FINRA's broker check to see if the promoter is indeed a registered investment professional, according to FINRA. So anyway, warnings that we're seeing out there with a lot of these scams going along, a lot of people get sucked in unwillingly, unknowingly, important for you to check them out. This has been Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. I want to thank you for listening. Don't forget our live show next Saturday at 11. Uh, we plan on having Patrick Connor with us. He's uh, the Washington State Director for the National Federation of Independent Business. He will be talking about bills that are going through the legislative system that have an impact on business, and especially small business. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to you coming and join us. And if you got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. Thanks, and have a great week. on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.